0: I love being a part of a greater family than just what gathers here. I don't know about you, but God's at work in the world, not just here in the Temecula Valley, but God is uh, reaching many people in many parts of this world that are very lost and dark. And uh, with all the discouraging news, sometimes globally, you just need to hear those kinds of reports and rejoice because God is at work. And he is bringing together people from every language, tribe, and nation scripture teaches. And that he will have around his throne through all of eternity, people worshiping him and declaring his richness. But those people you just saw there on that video have sacrificed in their life to be able to be their international workers, missionaries, that they are. I like to refer to them as kingdom laborers. But it's not just the missionaries over there that are kingdom laborers. God is calling each one of us to be a kingdom laborer. And sort of here on a a Sunday between a couple series that we have here as message uh, journeys, I want to just give some exhortation, encouragement, and challenge for you to be a kingdom laborer on this Labor Day weekend. Now, you know, growing up, I didn't really care much about some of these holidays. They didn't mean that much to me. Growing up in Indiana, Indiana, around Indianapolis, Memorial Day weekend meant it was the Indy 500 race, and that changed all kinds of things in that city. Labor Day weekend was sort of the end to what the Memorial Day sort of kicked off, but I I didn't know too much about it. Uh, But do you know that Labor Day uh, was started about 127 years ago, and it had to do with the labor work that this nation was a part of. There was a journey that the United States was on, and being able to get labor right size because people work in 12-hour days, seven days a week, There was child labor going on that was not healthy, even all the way down to ages 5 and 7 years old. And so some changes were made in this country, and then the national government, the federal government, established this holiday to commemorate laborers. And unions had started at that time and other kinds of aspects of labor. And today, we just don't even think about it. It's just sort of the holiday that ends the summer a little bit. School's starting. We move forward. Yay, we get another three-day weekend kind of feel in our life. But it commemorated the laborer. We thank the laborers that you just saw that are missionaries. And I thank you as laborers for God's work here in this valley and in your homes and your communities. But Jesus Christ is the one who calls us to be laborers, not just to be faithful in our careers and the callings that he's given us to horsepower up and, yeah, make monetary means, but be a provider for our family, but to be laborers in what he is doing in the world. And you can choose to be a church spectator or you can choose to be a kingdom laborer. My preference is to have a Sunday morning gathering not of spectators, but of laborers. Laborers who have been working for God's kingdom all throughout the week. And it may not be overseas, and it may not be in a a paid vocational capacity of ministry, It doesn't matter. That wasn't true of the New Testament, and it's not really true today at all. It's not the paid professional clergy that Jesus is calling. He is calling every one of us to be laborers in his kingdom. And so every Labor Day weekend, I pause and I think of the passage that we're going to be looking at here this morning as our challenge. These are not my words. These are words of Jesus. How many times I, as a pastor, wish Jesus would just walk through and you preach the sermon? This is his message. And the message that he's about to speak is a message of compassion for having a heart for people who are outside of a relationship with him. The last couple of weeks, and we didn't take the opportunity to do the Jeopardy Minute today, but if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we do want you to fill out the Connect cards, give us your updated information as we head into the fall, that kind of thing. But the Jeopardy Minute we had was for you to list three people in this valley who you personally know that need a relationship with Jesus and do not have one. I didn't bring the cards up this morning, but we've added to the stack that I showed you last week, and and I've prayed over some of them this week, and and I've uh, flipped through the names. You know the names of those people you wrote down. You got the names of the people you wrote down the last couple weeks, or maybe here today you're adding one to the list that you've not had on before. Last week, we asked you to be engaged in reaching them as a friend as a family member, as a co-worker, as a neighbor, and encourage them. And if anything, maybe it's as simple as this, just letting them know, I love you, I'm praying for you, and I want you to know Jesus. Yes, it's about serving them and encouraging them in a multiplicity of ways and maybe their family or maybe some event that's going on in their life, but there's going to time, come a time where you have to move from sort of the actions a little bit and the doing to speaking some words. And if you need any words, these are some simple words. I love you or I care for you that I'm praying for you. Truly be praying for them. I want you to know Jesus. And when I called us to do that last week, what I was calling you to do is what Jesus is calling us to do, to be a kingdom laborer and to be someone who works hard for communicating life can be found in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to be able to lead them or encourage them into relationship with Jesus Christ. And then I want you to do something that I, at this particular moment, am very disappointed in. But I want you to invite them for this new series that we're going to do next week. We're going to do a series called Money, Sex, and Power, Sacred Gifts, or Toxic Idols. And the reason I'm disappointed is because I was going to pass out a bunch of great printed postcards that we did for you to hand out this week. But UPS didn't get them to me on time. But if you show up Wednesday, I know they'll be here Wednesday. And you can walk in, you can get a stick, grab a stack, we'll pass them out next week. But even without the cards in hand, we'll get something online, something for you to uh, maybe send through social media. And my interest is not even you getting them to church for a new series to look at Scripture and what it teaches about these sacred gifts. But it's for you to engage with them as a kingdom labor and encourage them. And they maybe never shadow the door of this church. But I know a lot of times on the heels of that, I love you. I'm praying for you. I want you to know Jesus. There may be a conversation that starts. And in that conversation, say, hey, would you be interested in coming to church? church? De- our pastor's taken on a crazy new series. And invite them to come with you. I want the Sunday morning experience every week to be a safe place. And maybe you're here today as someone who's not uh, had a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I want this to be a safe place for you to hear what I call the dangerous message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as a kingdom laborer, each and every week you have the opportunity and encourage to work, to speak, to love, to pray. But also that this would be an environment for you to be able to just bring the friend on your arm or go out to eat with them afterwards or something. That the season that's ahead of us right now truly is a harvest season. And so that's what's headed next week. But As I mentioned, it's not foremostly about the series or packing a room out. It's about people's lives being changed. Your life was changed at one time. If you committed your life to Christ, there are many that need to have their life changed through the power of God. And so with that, I want to invite you to turn to these words of Jesus that we're going to look at that I think of every day Labor Day weekend. And they are found in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 9... Now, if you think about what's happening in Matthew, there's the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. And in Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus unpacks to the people. He's speaking this message on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And he's unpacking a message about what the kingdom of God is like. And The kingdom of God is not just some fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale at all. It's reality. And the kingdom of God is just not something in the future when we pass from this life into the next. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, was at hand. And that's because he was the king. And kingdom refers to reign. And reign is implying that Jesus is the king to reign in the hearts and lives of people. And if he's reigning, then the whole world changes dramatically. And if you read The Sermon on the Mount, which begins with the Beatitudes, it's an incredible message that he unpacks. So Jesus steps from this Sermon on the Mount, and people awed and wowed by it, to chapter 8 and 9. And in chapter 8 and 9 in the Gospels, he starts doing all kinds of miracles, foreshadowing the kingdom of God. You have the miracles of the cleansing of the leper, the healing of the centurion's son, He heals Peter's mother in law. He calms the sea. He casts demons into swine. He heals the paralytic. He heals a woman. He raises the dead. He gives sight to the blind. And he gives speech to the man who is mute. And then, guess what he does? He says, I'll take care of it. I'm good. I'm the big guy. I'm the king. I just wanted you all to know. No. He speaks a Sermon on the Mount about the beauty of the kingdom of God, and then he demonstrates the kingdom of God and the power that he has. And then he says these words in chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out laborers into his harvest field. I want us to take a look at that here on this Labor Day weekend. The first thing you'll notice, Jesus went throughout all the cities And the villages. Jesus was on the move. Here he was at the age of 30, commencing, beginning his uh, ministry, physical ministry in this world. And he gets going from place to place. All kinds of cities and villages of that known day in, in Israel. And he does the things, the miracles that we were just listing So, as he's on the move, as he is laboring, working for God, not sitting sitting idly by, not thinking about his next vacation, you know, not just being entertained, nothing wrong with those things, he was working and he was working hard. You ever had one of those weeks where you work really hard? And there's sort of these mixed emotions, right? You've got the, I am exhausted. And maybe it wasn't physical work. Maybe it was mental work. Maybe it was uh, learning, whatever it may be. But you are emotionally spent. But you're emotionally spent. But then there's this other side of you that has this sense of, man, we made some things happen. We got some stuff done. Or look at that. Isn't that pretty cool? I think I'll post that on Instagram, Right? You and I were called to work and labor. When God created, He created Adam and Eve, and what did He tell them to do? He told them to rule over or govern the garden and creation. Scripture says that they were spoken to and they were told to rule, subdue, and have dominion over the earth. You and I are called to be workers. We're called to be laborers. And it can be in all different kinds of dimensions, whether it's in a vocational career or maybe it's raising children in a home. Jesus knew what it was like to have a hard day's work, a hard month's work, a hard year's worth of work. And he was on it. And so he went throughout all the cities and the villages. What was he doing? He was teaching. He was teaching in their synagogues, and he was doing two things. He was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, which he had just talked about on the Sermon on the Mount, and he was healing every disease and every affliction. Or I say that he was proclaiming the good news, the message of the gospel of the kingdom, but he was also demonstrating the power of the kingdom by healing and seeing people freed of affliction. So, Jesus labored in two ways proclaiming and demonstrating. Proclaiming the message, but demonstrating the ministry. And he put those two together in a powerful way, day in and day out, to see his world changed and transformed and calls us to do the same. Proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is the good news. The gospel of the kingdom is about the king. It's not just be nice, be good, do the right moral things, get your act together. Let's try to help this fallen world out a little bit. He had a specific matter of work he was bringing to the world at that time, and that was the gospel which means good news of the kingdom. And kingdom refers to kingship, the reign of God, through his personhood, Jesus. He was proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom. And we too today, as followers of King Jesus, are to be doing the same thing. And then he said this right on the heels of it. Or it's spoken of what he did he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let's break this down. The disciples are watching this. Matthew's the one who's recording it in the gospel. And he says, man, he's a hard worker. He's on it. He's at it. And he's proclaiming. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Yay, Jesus. Jesus. And wow, he's demonstrating the power of the kingdom. This is something different. Maybe this could be that Messiah we waited on. So they're observing all this. And then Matthew records this. And then he saw the crowds. And what he did was say, Get out of my way! No, he didn't say that. He saw the crowds. And he turned the other way. I don't like crowds. I really get bothered by a lot of people. What did he do? He saw the crowds, which means he didn't look over the tops of people. He looked in their eyes. He made himself present in the moment. Now, I don't know about you. Some people think I'm an extrovert because I stand up here and I teach like this. But the reality is when I do those personality tests, I'm 50-50. I'm an extrovert and I'm an introvert. Do you know what an extrovert is? The life of the party. Do you know what an introvert is? They get pooped by the party. Okay? So some of you are extroverts. Some of you are introverts. And you are thinking, oh, maybe this or that, that kind of thing. And maybe it plays into being around other people, that kind of stuff. Well, I tell you what. Usually what happens with me is I'm engaged, and I like to be with people. But my kids will tell you sometimes, Dad, how can you be a pastor when you don't like people? And I'm like, don't say that. That sounds terrible. I like people. I love you, But sometimes I do get pooped by the parties, right? And I have to have what Jesus did. He did this. He abided. He withdrew. And then he abounded when he was with the crowds of people, right? But Jesus, when he saw these crowds in this passage, as Matthew's recording it, he notices that Jesus sees people. He sees them for who they are. And I want to exhort you, as I exhort myself, don't just look past people. Now, it's easy to do, and sometimes it's rightful. I mean, there's a lot of people. You sit in an airport, people coming and going, right? You're at a ball game. Maybe you're there for the ball game. There's a lot of people around you. But sometimes you can become numb to crowds of people. You don't see them for who they are. You're driving down the the freeway, and you're just really bothered by all the traffic, the bump and go, and you don't care who's beside you. You don't even want to stare at them or anything. You just know there's people. We can become desensitized to people because, one, we get tired. Two, maybe we are more on that introvert side. Three, it's labor to see people as people. But Jesus, he saw the crowds. That's the first thing that I want you to be mindful of. Do you see people in the midst of crowds? Maybe it's just your contingency, your tribe, your extended family, or your work environment, and you've stopped seeing people for who they are. They're just annoying to you, or they're a means to get somewhere, or a stepping stone, someone who can help you on your agenda. But Jesus had this uncanny ability to see people, to see crowds, to see people in the midst of the crowd. The second thing, then, what did he do? He not only saw them, he thought about them, and he had compassion for them. He had feeling for them. Have you ever had deep feelings for somebody? Well, hopefully you did for your spouse before you married them, right? But feelings, sometimes we say, they, feelings touch not our brain. We say it what? hits our heart right? We love people from our heart. Well, you know, in ancient days, they didn't say from the heart. They said from the bowels, right? And you go like, that's a little gross. I don't want to think about that. I love you with all my intestines. No, but this is what the compassion meant, a deep feeling and we see things that happen in our world, and sometimes it just strikes, hits our gut. When, when we saw the Marines and that sailor that were killed in Afghanistan uh, a week or so ago, and we just feel you empathize with that, right? That wasn't like, oh, man. No, you feel for that, or you hear about a wreck, and, and somebody dies, and it's the mom of somebody or a dad or some kids, that kind of thing. And you, you feel, you empathize. Jesus had a weighted empathy, almost from his very bowels, which he cared for the person. And Jesus says, I want you to see people, and I want you to have compassion on people. Now, here's the challenge. Compassion actually takes emotional energy, and I understand that. And sometimes I feel depleted. I've given, and I've given, and I've cared, and I've reached out, and I'm like, I don't know that I have anything left in me. But that's where your walk with Jesus is so critical. God has poured out his Holy Spirit into our hearts, whom he has loved because he has loved it. He's poured out his love into our hearts. And I have to say, Lord, as I draw close to you, I'm able to love and have empathy and compassion for people that I've never even met sometimes, but maybe some people that I might be meeting this next week. So he saw he had compassion And then there's these two words that have to do with knowing. He moved to this understanding, this sense of knowing, and he saw that they were harassed and they were helpless. Harassed comes from a word that means like uh, they were like really beat up, like they were skinned, like they were filleted, like. You know, and and it says here like sheep without a shepherd. It's almost like they were skinned alive. He says something has happened to these people. They've been so harassed that they're in this awful condition. And then he sees that they're helpless, that they can't do anything about that condition. And we've mentioned it here before and just exhort us again. Sometimes we have to remember, friends, that there's stuff lying low that people carry in their cargo bay, pain, hurt, discouragement. And sometimes their actions, like we see their actions, we're like, oh, why don't they get over that or start acting better? No, you got to understand what they're carrying down below in their plane. And some of that cargo is heavy stuff. And Jesus, he saw them, he had compassion on them, and then he knew them. He knew what was going on and taking that step to say, hey, before I just start spouting everything about my life, let me hear your story. You know, we commonly say to people, hey, how'd your week go? Do we really mean it? And then the person goes, well, let me tell you how my week, and they start unpacking it, and you're thinking to yourself, I didn't really sign up for this, but then I guess I did say, how are you doing, right? And some people are more freer to be able to share about their week, especially if it's difficult or not. But to know someone, that whole harassment, helpless, Jesus is like, let me hear, let me bring it on. But he saw through, and he understood the people and context around him. They were like sheep without a shepherd. No one to be guiding them. And so I just want to list these three initial steps. The initial steps to move from being a church spectator to being a kingdom laborer every day of your life. And the three were right there in that passage. Seeing the crowds, feeling compassion, and knowing true conditions. Seeing the crowds, Feeling compassion and knowing true conditions. So, when I gave you that last assignment the last couple of weeks on the back of your Connect card, write the names of the three people that you know that live in this valley who need a relationship with Jesus. I'm getting you to contextualize what Jesus did. Jesus saw people. Do you see those people? And do you have any margin in your life to have compassion for those people? And to get to know those people. And yay, nay, whether you invite them to church, to a new series, or something like that, the engagement, the laborer part is that you would care. And you may not define yourself as a people person, as an extrovert, but I tell you what, or some people say, well, I don't have no gift of evangelism. I I can say that little thing, hey, I love you. I'm praying for you. I want you to know Jesus. That was a nice little diddly. But don't ever ask me to share my faith, Carrie. I'm not an evangelist. Well, There is the gift of evangelism, I understand that, but Scripture is pretty clear that all of us are to be a witness of our faith. And that witness is in deed and in word. And so what I'm asking you to do is to see the crowds, to have compassion and to see their true conditions. Start to get get mobilized on something more than just making the ends meet and getting to the next work period be involved in the kingdom's work. And so Jesus, he goes from the Sermon on the Mount to doing the miracles, and he turns right around and demonstrates to his disciples what someone who's a kingdom laborer does. And it's beginning with these three things. Until you see, you will not feel. And until you feel, you will not know. And until you know, you will not care. And until you care, you will not pray. And until you pray, you will not go. You see where the initial steps are? The seeing, the feeling, and the knowing. And As you stay obedient to that course of a kingdom laborer, God will give you the compassion and the heart to care to be able to help you to pray and to go to be his witnesses in this world that's in great need. So he saw the crowds. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then, ta-da, Jesus is going to speak to his disciples. Then, then, It was after those things. The word then is pretty important there. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Two things to take note here, right? The harvest is plentiful. As many of you know, I come from the Midwest, I just don't come from the Midwest. I come from a large grain farm. My family, my brothers and nephews and others, they, they farm about eight, 9,000 acres of grain crops, corn and soybeans. I grew up doing that. For me to wake up in the morning and see vast fields that are ripe to harvest uh, is a common image in my mind. Now, around here, it may be vineyards, it may be orchards, other kinds of things, or avocados. I don't know. I didn't even know those existed until I moved to California. But, uh, you know, you're like, the agricultural aspect of Jesus is front and center here because he was in an agricultural environment. It was He was walked from place to place. He didn't get in a car or call an Uber. He, he walked through villages out into the rural area just to the next village, and he would walk across fields, and in the fields there were laborers in the fields, and he would see that these fields were ripe until harvest. And, you know, people ask me how I like, being in California versus Ms. West. I, I enjoy being here. It's a great mission field. It's God's calling my life. It's good. I like the sunniness. I, I'm glad I don't have to deal with winters, but I miss two seasons in particular. I miss spring planting season, and I miss fall harvest season, and hopefully I'm going to be able to get away just for a few days in the, in the mid part of October and be able to just go back and be around the harvest because there's just something about that labor, that work. They're all busy, and I'm sort of a misfit now trying to fit in and trying to say, hey, I could help here, help there, whatever, but I understand that when the harvest is ready, you get at it and you work hard. I remember the day I found out people didn't normally work on Saturdays. I thought, what? I thought everybody worked on Saturday, right? You work hard. Now we took Sunday off. My dad was always faithful and keeping the Sunday Sabbath uh, separate unto God. But we worked hard. And the hours, you didn't clock hours. Well, Jesus is looking and he's seeing this harvest. And it wasn't a harvest maybe of of, uh, field corn or soybeans or something like that like I grew up. But but he saw fields of wheat, rye, barley, I don't know. And they were out there harvesting it. They didn't have the big machines like we have today in the Midwest. Where, you know, you get on there and there's a 45-foot wide grain table cutting. And you got three machines and like you're making some significant progress you're not out there sweating, grinding. The, but the harvest, in that day, you saw the laborers out there sweating and working. And he saw the fields. They're white unto harvest, but the fields he was looking at wasn't the fields of grain, it was the fields of people. He saw the crowds. He had compassion on them and that they were harassed and helpless. He saw through it and he saw this harvest. He turns around and he says to the disciples then, look, open your eyes. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Friends, I care not what you think is happening in our culture. The harvest is plentiful because people are in need. Yes there's all kinds of statistics I could give you about the drift away from all right even belief in God other kinds of things the challenge of the millennial generation or, or Gen Z and other's kind of things is that there is a challenge going on in our world but friends in our valley in our nation Around the world, the fields are ripe until harvest because God created people to be in relationship with him. Sin came in, broke off that relationship. We celebrate in worship today that Jesus paid it all. He's done the work on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. We have the gospel, the good news of the kingdom to offer to people by demonstrating the ministry and proclaiming the message. And we have something to offer people for them to have hope and change in their life. What were you involved in this week? Were you involved in the kingdom's work, or were you just getting a paycheck? Were you just trying to put out some fires relationally? All of us, Jesus is calling, and he says, look unto the fields, plentiful harvest. There's always someone in your network of people, a friend, relative, neighbor, associate, It's not your ministry. It's God's ministry. You're participating in his work. Look, pray, ask. But the laborers are few. Jesus knew it then. And friends, it's true today, even in churches. We get so busy. I, as a pastor, get busy. I want you to know this passage has stung me afresh this Labor Day weekend. Carrie, open your eyes. I shared with you a few weeks ago that uh, I got my hair cut and somehow we got in this conversation I did with my barber and he found out that I was a pastor or whatever. And he says, is that a priest or whatever is that? He says, uh, do you do like those exorcism things? And we got into this whole conversation on spiritual warfare and deliverance. It was great. Well, I went back to finally get another haircut this last week. I try to stretch it out as long as possible because I'm really cheap. And uh, so I went back in and I you know picked the same kind of guy and we sat down. I didn't know if he'd remember me or not, but sure enough we strike into this conversation. Maybe he's watching online today, his name's Jeremy, and he starts asking me a bunch more questions. Well, what am I doing in the chair? I'm looking at my watch, I'm just what's my haircut, I gotta get on with my day. And Jesus says, Look at the crowds, have compassion see that they are harassed and helpless. You know what? I had a really good conversation with him because he has a spiritual hunger. I said at one point, I said, you know, I I feel like with you sometimes it's the adage that uh, the hound of heaven is on your trail. He goes, yeah, I think maybe that's true. You know what I did? He lives out of town, but he comes in and works right across the road every day. I said, there's this group of people that are trying to figure out God on Wednesday nights called Rooted. I know you work on Wednesdays. You're done at 530. Would you be interested in being part of just a group that interacted on discovering who God is and his purpose for your life? You know what he said? He said, yeah, I might be interested in that. We exchanged information. He might show up. What am I doing in that moment? It wasn't like, oh, really good job, Pastor. No, trust me, those often don't happen to me. But it was this idea that I'm a kingdom laborer every day, every hour of my life, and I need to look into the fields that are white until harvest, and I need to say, sign me up. Let me be a person that builds that relationship, takes that initiative. Therefore, what's the first thing Jesus says? Start some programs, bring in a preacher, have some more meetings no he says therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest and so i start praying lord may i put my barber on my new list and may i take the initiative to pray for him And to pray that God would bring others. And he told me about some of the influences in his life back home where he's from. And and I said, those are some great opportunities. Take initiative to pray that God would bring people into his life. And then, you know what happens when you start praying for more laborers? God comes knocking and he says, how about you? Maybe you're the answer. Or maybe I'm the answer for someone else's prayer request that's being lifted up. Friends, it begins with prayer. And that's why this whole adage that we need to be praying for people not on a project or a hit list, but people that God cares for, that he died for, and that we are participating in the harvest is of utmost importance to Jesus. And if I can say this, is of utmost importance to you finding fulfillment in your life. To send out laborers, Yeah, you're to be one of those. And the laborers are laborers for the kingdom. This world's not about you trying to get yourself financially secure so you can retire early, buy an RV, and then travel the nation and take video of all the national parks. If you want to do that, that's fine. But there's something far more important, and that's being involved in the kingdom's work. I remember Bill Hybels, who was pastor of Willow Creek Community Church, once talking about a big powerhouse person he was talking to, ministering to. who's like, have a head up in Coca-Cola or something like this. He leans across the table and he says, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Continue to make collared sugar water? Or be a part of God transforming and changing the world? What are you going to do with your life, your one life that God's given you? Are you going to be a kingdom laborer? Or are you just going to be a spectator and watch it all go by? Jesus says, pray that we send out laborers into the harvest, for the harvest is ripe. A kingdom labor, let me sum it up this way, is simply a disciple in action. A disciple in action. Get out of the stands, on the field, involved in the game, working for the king and his kingdom. There's a friend of mine who has a ministry called Forge. It is about kingdom building. And the whole concept of laborers is front and center in that ministry. I actually sit on the board of that ministry and next week I'm going to be able to be around a a table with other board members discussing how do we raise up more kingdom laborers. Forge the whole concept of hearts on fire, lives on purpose. The ministry started, I remember, when uh, he was my youth pastor one time many years ago and we were struggling trying to get kids to youth camp. We were struggling trying to uh, find someone to speak at youth camp. And God birthed this ministry through his heart, but predominantly through this passage God used for him to establish this ministry. And that's how they define a laborer, simply that, a disciple in action. It's a follower of Jesus who is proclaiming and demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom by loving, serving, praying, and sharing with others to know Jesus two ordinary people ordinary people making an extraordinary difference in other people's lives in the places where god has given them to influence in their families neighborhoods communities schools workplaces social circles and churches a kingdom laborer that's my challenge on this labor day weekend I'm not going to pass this sheet to sign up because you're not signing up with me. You find yourself a place of quiet prayer and you offer yourself to the Lord to be a laborer in his kingdom work, afresh and anew. And ask yourself this question. Are you a kingdom laborer or just a church spectator? Who is Christ Christ? giving you compassion for to reach with his good news. Who is it that Christ is laying on your heart to just communicate through the message and the ministry? I love you. I'm praying for you. I want you to know Jesus. I think you might be surprised who God might lay on your heart or someone that you might not even know that you're going to come across in the coming weeks. And maybe with that person, you too can invite them like I invited my barber friend to something like Rooted. Because sometimes you need a place just to interact and facilitate questions. Let us help and encourage you to do that. Maybe one of the people that were on your list, and there's still this small windows. I'm putting groups together this week. If you've signed up for Rooted, you're going to hear from me. We're going to get it down. And and when the groups are meeting, all that kind of stuff. We've got about 45, 50 people signed up. It's great but I'm like, there might be more. Just take that sheet in front of you and hand it to somebody or fill it out yourself this morning. I want us to finish out here by receiving the Lord's tithes and offerings in a bit and your connect cards, but I want us to close in prayer. And I want us to pray in a minute of Not Jeopardy music this week, but a minute of silence. Yeah. And when we're going to pray, I want you to um, pray for the people that are on your list. And I also want you to pray for something else. Some of you know that. I mentioned last week that the sergeant major of the Marine Corps, his name is Troy Black, he was in a Ruta group at this church. He was a part of our church for a couple years. He's now on the East Coast, top enlisted Marine. With all that happened in Afghanistan, I sent him a text I mentioned last week. I got home. And Troy responded to me. He said, Carrie, thank you for thinking of us. These are challenging days. Met all the families today. He was there when the caskets came off the plane and met with those families. And to say the least it was difficult. If you can mention these families next week during the prayer request, be great. Also, the majority are from a unit there at Camp Pendleton. I know the communities around the base where so many of these Marines and the sailor lived, and there will be support from them. God bless. One minute, and after that minute, I'm going to share a few other words and have them come with the baskets to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connect cards. But will you pray for the people that God's calling you to be a kingdom laborer with? And will you pray for these families who lost loved ones? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do pray for those that you have crossed our paths. May we see the crowds. May we have compassion. May we know those who are harassed, harassed and helpless, whether they're a down-and-owner or an up-and-owner, Lord. And Lord, may we pray earnestly that you would send laborers into the fields that are white unto harvest. For we know with your heart the reality that the laborers are few. And Lord sign us up lord as certainly as those marines signed up to be a part of protecting america and they lost their lives lord we pray for those families and lord may you bring good through that somehow even those who are close in this valley for the communities connected with camp pendleton but lord just as surely as someone signs up to be a part of a military Institution and operation, Lord, we pray afresh and that you would sign us up this fall to be laborers in your kingdom and that you would pour out your blessing upon us. As we step into this new series next week, Lord, to understand your sacred gifts and not fall prey to idols, I pray, God, that you would bless this series as we draw near to your heart and your provisions and your beautiful gifts. And Lord, may we bring others with us to be able to be on a journey of discovering you afresh and anew every week. And God's people said Amen. Ushers, if you wouldn't mind, come receive the tithes and the offerings. And as they're coming, I just want to give you a little bit of an update and another way to encourage and be involved as a kingdom laborer. I want to personally this morning um, thank Jamie and Jennifer Breeze, who took the initiative to lead our worship team. Would you give them a word of appreciation? Uh, just come on up, guys. And as uh, you know, last week we had a transition uh, because our worship leader, Joe Yarborough, got a, a full-time position somewhere. We are without a staffed position in worship ministries, and uh, they stepped in this morning, going to continue to help sort of journey us. But it's an all-in kind of thing with worship team ministries. And uh, I met with one of probably the best, uh, even more well-known worship leaders in the Valley a few weeks ago. And uh, I talked to him about what's happening with worship in the Valley. And he says COVID's changed a lot of things. There's a lot of transition, a lot of questioning and and really relooking at the value of the worship experience. Uh, But one of the things he said to me off the bat was something that just, I don't know, it just really encouraged my heart. We've come through some transition for us, a lot of changes and moving, not just with the COVID issues, but also people moving out of state and stuff. And um, God has replaced our uh, children's ministry team and staff, and many of you were in training last week, which is so great, and I encourage you. We still need many children's workers, so uh, consider being a kingdom laborer on that on a Sunday morning. Um, and he's also done a beautiful job in student ministries, but now we have this challenge in worship ministries. and um, His name is Tim, and Tim said to me, he said, Carrie, he says, what I've experienced, and he's been at some large churches in this valley, he says, you can uh, go out and hire the really high end gifted people and pay them to come in, and you can get your worship up to an A level, and it can just rock the socks off of things. He says, but what I've encouraged people to do is don't worry if it's even at a C level, and I don't think it was a C level today, it was good worship today, is that use house people. I say house people. People that are already in your house. And relationships and networks of people already in your house. Like today, we had uh, Luke was back here on acoustic. Thanks for leading us in that. Jesus paid it all. Hey, he's a friend of the Breezes. He's not the new worship guy, okay? I just want everybody know. But it's just those kinds of networks to say, hey, who are the house people? And we're going to go forward in our worship for the time being with house folks, but I want to give an extra appeal because I think there's some house folks here who have some really good gifts, or maybe you've had experience before, and what you need to do is show up here on Tuesday night for a little bit of a band jam, interaction kind of thing. Jamie and Jennifer will breathe here and some of the other band people, and we're just getting a feel for one another, and we're gonna walk this thing out week by week with worship ministries. So don't be looking for the new guy or the new gal. It's the house, folks. It's us. And I think God's going to call us. I think God's calling us to be kingdom laborers in this, that we would be laborers in the area of worship, authentic, genuine worship to call people into the presence of god i i I told the team this week i said i used to be in youth ministries with this dwight guy i mentioned who was a part of forge kingdom building ministries and i remember when we really started some cool things happening with student ministry i'm so grateful that pastor zach has worship now in student uh, ministries a little bit more and chuck's leading got a new guitar this week and they're trying to work with worship and students it's all part of it but i remember when we saw our student ministry just growing and some of these high horsepower athletes would come and be a part of them they're checking out the youth ministry and and they would leave and they would they go I I don't know about that. I go what what what? And they would go, "Well, I don't know. I I think maybe God was in there." That's what our worship needs to be. That we're people found in the presence of God worshipping him. So, will you pray for our worship ministries? If you have relationships, contacts, people, people that could be part of the house, then let them know. Have them talk to me Tuesday night. Seven kingdom laborers, right, Jamie? Be here. House folks, worship. Next week, kicking off that series. You're done. Have a great week.